What's going on, my people? You're listening to The Score, an urban music education podcast hosted by Eric and Justin, where we discuss tips and strategies on how to become a more effective, compassionate, and culturally responsive music educator. What's going on, my people? This is Eric, and you're listening to The Score. Welcome to episode 65. We have something special for you this week, an article reading. Justin and I were able to contribute to the Southwestern Musician, which is Texas Music Educators Association magazine that comes out every month. This article was published in the September 2020 issue of the Southwestern Musician. It is titled, Dispelling the Myths of Teaching in a Title I School. If you are attending TMEA this week, we would love for you to come and visit our presentation that we have planned on Friday at 6.30 p.m., which is on Latino, Latina, and Latinx representation in music education, how to recruit more students and teachers into the profession. I'll be hosting and facilitating a conversation with three outstanding music educators, and you don't want to miss. And now, without further ado, the article. Dispelling the Myths of Teaching in a Title I School by Eric Jimenez and Justin McLean. We met during undergraduate studies at Prairie View A&M University, two educators of color committed to returning home to serve schools much like the ones in which we were raised. We understood the positive impact our band directors had on us, and because of it, we were committed to paying it forward. Since then, we've had the honor of working side-by-side side to enhance band and other music programs across the Houston area. During our time serving the Houston Independent School District, we spent most conference periods immersed in brainstorming discussions. How could we overcome the frequent challenges in our teaching environment? Years of those honest, solution-focused discussions led us to create The Score, an urban music education podcast. Through it, we offer urban music educators a platform to share their success stories. Our aim is to foster a renewed and positive conversation instead of the meta-narrative filled with assumptions and stereotypes. What we offer in this article is based on our podcast episode 36, Be Willing to Teach Us Too. Regardless the type of school you teach in, we hope you'll gain a greater understanding for and appreciation of students like us and the educators who serve them as you read your responses to the following myths about teaching in a Title I school. Myth. Title I students don't care about getting an education. This is an example of bringing implicit or covert bias into the classroom. For example, in a majority Latino student population school, students might need to work after school or go home to take care of younger siblings. These commitments aren't indicators of disinterest in their education. They are a reflection of their family's economic instability. Instead of viewing these students through a deficit lens, understand them as students who need non-traditional strategies to teach them and find ways to create access for them to participate. This may be especially true for teachers whose educational background does not reflect the environment or demographics of a Title I school. Students in urban and low socioeconomic schools often need teachers who will stand the test of time, get to know them, and be invested in their well-being. Once that relationship is established, students can show they are committed to you and the content. Myth. There's no money for good materials or instruments. This statement is broad enough to be true for many. We have served in schools and music programs with $0 budgets, but we didn't let this deter us from providing a quality music education. We consistently held fundraisers, solicited sponsors, and created a community instrument donation campaign. 
We did that to reduce student fees so low that a lack of disposable income in our student families would not prohibit them from their participation. We also recommend creating payment plans to help families understand your commitment to their child's participation in your program. This might require some to reflect on existing biases towards economic stability of your students' families. We knew these methods would be more work on our part, but we also knew that they were the right things to do to ensure our students enjoy the best music education experience possible. Myth. Those schools are dangerous. This false statement is misleading and can carry so many false assumptions. I still recall many experiences of doors being abruptly locked, purses being clutched, and people crossing the street to avoid proximity with me. If we don't allow for self-reflection and deep programming of our personal prejudices, these biases can be carried into how we treat students in our classrooms. Those schools are dangerous. is usually stated by someone with little or no experience serving Title I schools. We've heard similar statements from clinicians throughout our careers. However, their visits were often followed up with positive messages and willingness to return to help. Some have openly admitted their false assumptions and felt comfortable enough to share them with us. Kids are kids, yes. But these are the very same kids who might require the willingness of an individual to set aside any pre-existing biases or assumptions to truly be of help. Myth. Parents won't be involved or supportive. This statement has been consistently shared throughout our careers as students and as educators. For Eric... As a Latino educator, when I went back to serve schools with parents who mirrored my lived experience, I recognized my parents and those of my students. I reflected on all the time and effort my parents dedicated to just make ends meet, and through that, how they never discouraged me from excelling in my academics or arts involvement. I also have found some parents are unaware of their rights or abilities to participate if given the opportunity. We recommend providing parents and guardians an environment that is open, inviting, and celebratory of their involvement. We also recommend encouraging parental support in a variety of accessible ways. Material donations, providing meals, transportation for other students, and volunteer hours. Myth. Those schools have more discipline problems. Statistically speaking, this may be true. Unfortunately, it may stem from perceptions teachers have that their students of color or low socioeconomic status. The way our students respond to behavior issues might be defense mechanisms and a reflection of their environment for survival. In our 10 plus years of serving as educators, we have never written a discipline referral form. Instead, we found various solutions for redirecting behavior through open conversations, restorative practices, and the involvement of school counselors. We invite teachers to find alternative ways to redirect misbehavior instead of relying on the traditional methods, which can ultimately lead to more issues throughout the year. Myth. Title I administrators are not supportive. It's simple. Administrators support the positive things that bring quality attention and shine to the respective campus. They don't have favorites as much as they react to, what have you done for our school lately? And while that may sound like the beginning of favoritism, it's really about the level of effort and consistency being offered. Whether it is an athletic organization, educational club, or fine arts program, administrators want consistency. I have always worked with administrators who went above and beyond for my program and me, whether it was class scheduling, instrument funds, or support from parents. Administrators helped because I was consistent. I remained consistent in my focus on classroom management, encouraging students to be leaders outside of my room, and building strong teacher-parent relationships. It is a big plus 
when matters aren't automatically escalated to the administrator's office. Anytime you go into a new educational environment, it should be with an open mind, ready to focus, to build, and to develop. Myth. Those programs don't get good ratings. Good ratings are not limited to highly funded schools or the districts in which may be currently indoctrinated to pursue jobs. Although those districts and schools in them are decorated with first divisions and sweepstake awards, it wasn't the school or the district itself that produced those good ratings. That kind of achievement requires two things. The first is relationships. If you want to achieve good ratings, I suggest you shift your focus toward investing in and building teacher-student relationships. We constantly teach our students about the various relationships in music, whether it's the connection of tonality and intonation, the idea of melody and accompaniment, or the aspect of conductor and the ensemble in a performance context. Yet we forget to extend that knowledge and theory to the students sitting directly in front of us, resulting in a lack of real connection or buy-in from them. In a Title I school or district, understand that good ratings not only come from consistent and high-quality programming and teaching, but also from the student investment. Your students must know and believe they aren't pawns in your classroom, but are co-laborers in the goal of musical excellence. The second most important aspect in achievement is identifying what good ratings are for you and what you hope to obtain in the process of working toward them. Never settle for lackluster work ethic or performance below the standards to which you've aspired for your program and your students. Remember to build strong relationships, clearly define your good ratings, and consistently program to meet those non-negotiables and you will always be satisfied. Myth. It won't look good on my resume. Other educators won't respect Title I teachers. It will always look good on your resume if you have done the work to build up a Title I school. That takes courage and it takes integrity. I have always found that willingness to devote my energy to building up programs spoke for itself. We often think of prestigious universities as great places because of the great minds who attended them and the legacies they left behind. Much like the marks left by those great minds, your resume is a collection of places your DNA of work and professionalism has built into something greater. Responding to the idea that other music educators will not respect you as a Title I teacher, understand this. The respect of other educators is not what we do this for. While the well wishes and acknowledgments of great work are obviously appreciated, constantly seeking respect or affirmation from other educators who would probably advise you not to work in a Title I environment in the first place will never be a good use of our energy. In this work, we need to be concerned less about our peers and more about our students. How will our great work be remembered by the community and especially the students, the young malleable minds we choose to invest in and build up every day? Myth. I'll have to lower my expectations. Often a Title I school or district tends to look different from the usually celebrated places to be or teach. This can lead to the thought that expectations are lower or non-existent. I would ask that you shift those thoughts to the following perspective. Expectations come directly from the leader slash teachers who ultimately define them and refuse to settle for anything less. Show me a great organization, team, or corporation, and I can pinpoint the person who developed and shaped that specific identity connected with that group. The schools where I've taught have been more than willing to reach and attain in the expectations I set and molded. Lowering your expectations won't be of any service to your school or district. In fact, it shows a lack of integrity and care not only for the institution of music education, but also for the students in your band hall. 
Title I students and music programs are no different from schools with quality funding or financially astute demographics. At the core, they are all blank canvases with the potential to create colorfully rich experiences and leave lasting impressions. Now, the Title I canvas will require extra time and creative effort may be needed to obtain the tools to paint such a beautiful picture. Still, never doubt the opportunity to create the beautiful picture exists. As you keep thinking on this topic, consider these questions. What are your personal expectations for your career, and have they been shaped by the utopian language of our previous music professors and directors? Have you yet to build something simply for the purpose of being a great educator? Expectations begin with you. Visibility can lead to representation. As we work to dispel myths about teaching in schools like ours or students who look like us, we would also like to encourage our colleagues to provide opportunities for the students of color to see themselves as music educators. If our school music programs accurately reflect the demographics of the school population we serve, it leads to more visibility. Furthermore, this visibility leads to representation, which provided us, two students of color, the ability to see music education as a viable profession. This has been another production of The Score. Connect with us on social media at PodTheScore. Send us an email, PodTheScore at gmail.com, or visit our website, RevivalMusicProject.org. If you've enjoyed this episode, do us a huge favor. Rate and review us. This will help us reach even more listeners. Intro music by Justin McLean. The rotation and outro music by Ben Borges. And as always, let's continue to impact these lives through the vehicle of music. Music.